0: If everybody has some seats near you, you may want to raise your hand or move in a little bit. we got some folks coming in. It's great to see everybody this morning. Good morning on this beautiful day. I'd like to welcome you to Gateway Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to extend a special greeting. So glad you're here to worship with us this morning. Hello to all watching us online. We're glad you're able to join us as well. On this beautiful day to celebrate and worship the Lord. Just have really two announcements. We're going to have a couple folks come up and uh, share a couple things that's going on in the life of our body to connect. I'm going to ask with Miss, Missy Cruz and Kyle Watley, my awesome nephew, to come on up. Awesome She's my awesome friend, yes. <laughs> She's awesome too. <laughs> Let me use a different adjective. You're my amazing friend. I just thought I was kidding. Here you go. We've got some lady stuff going on
1: not encouraged. Anyway, just kidding. Um, I am Missy Cruz. I've helped put together the ladies' retreat for October 6th through 8th. Uh, I wanted to come up here, and you did get an email, or should have gotten an email earlier this week, but also to tell you, you know, I made my comments for those of you that were here before. The backpack, backpack, where the men always went backpacking. Well, my backpack has a snack and a nap. And that's what I'm going to do on the retreat. It's not a required hiking retreat. If you want to hike, you hike. If you want to shop at a thrift store, you get with Aaron Gross, and you go to a thrift store. But it's for rest, rest and renew. If rest to you is reading a book all weekend, bring a book. If you want to do a craft, we'll have games. Things like that. We're going to eat together and fellowship some, but most of the time it's for you to be alone with the Lord and how you perceive rest to be for you. So we do encourage you to sign up. The last day for sign up, I believe, is Wednesday the 27th. It's $150, but scholarships are available. We have a house full of room, <laughs> so we do have beds for everyone. You won't have to sleep on the floor or in a closet or anything like that but I do encourage you to sign up if you'd like to come or if you have any questions, myself or Kiva Culpepper, who's walking in the door, and we should make her really awkward when she comes in. But um, we can help you uh, log into the website, gatewaybaptist.com, and it has the sign-up and registration available. But if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. Thank you.
2: Good morning, guys. My name is Kyle Wiley. I'm one of the deacons here. And uh, my wife Kayla and I, we've got five beautiful children. There's a lot of other families that you've been here. We've got a lot of kids. Um, We have a small group. We just got done doing a book study on, uh, it's called Gospel Treason, Hidden Idols of the Heart. It was a recommendation from uh, Jeff and Jen Hand. Very convicting, uh, wonderful study. And so we're opening up another study, Paul David Tripp book called Parenting. And so you don't have to be a parent, you don't have to have kids yet, if you're an an aspiring parent, maybe in the future, or if you're a grandparent, you'd like to, if you're very involved with your family, you want some other skills, um, it's not a tips and and tricks book, Um, it goes through the gospel and how we can direct that into our parenting and our lives, and so we're going to be starting this new book study probably in two weeks, and if you're looking for community, um, we've got a great group we love to share life pray for each other we share the occasional meal every now and then so we're going to have a blog post if you want any more info on that but just wanted to open up if you're looking for any kind of new small group or community we've got some spots so thank you
0: thank you colin missy appreciate it these are just two opportunities of many um that we want you to be aware of and guys again like we mentioned each week if you have some questions about how to connect in a deeper way to share community and get involved deeper with life here at Gateway, our website at gatewaybaptist.com has a Connect tab that you can look at all the different options, small groups, Bible studies, different things. If you have any questions, please come and talk to me. Ask questions. My phone number is on the website. Um, catch me after church. We, just, we want you to connect and get deeper, to build relationships. Um, some intimate ones here at Gateway and just share life together. Um, also, just one final thing, there's a greeter and those who opened lunch. Those of you know who you are, that an email was sent out today immediately following the service. We want to honor you and celebrate you and thank you for all your hard work. So Mike Presley has set it up, um, another deacon over setting things up on Sunday morning. So it'll be over in the gym immediately following the service for those who greet and those who open up each Sunday morning. We're very grateful for that. Well, let's stand and prepare our hearts before the Lord. I just want to read some scriptures. In Isaiah 45, just a few throughout this chapter I just loved encourage us this morning about who our God is as we prepare to worship Him in song. The Lord declares, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. That men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, ca- causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands and I ordained all their hosts. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. A righteous God and a Savior, there is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. Let's worship our Creator this morning.
3: Praise Him, all you creatures. Praise Him, all you creatures, great and small. Praise Him, summer, winter, spring, and fall. And Halloween. In rushing streams, rolling hills, crashing seas Lift your voice and worship your creation Praise Him, gleaming moon and burning sun Praise Him, all you spinning spheres above stars, golden beams, choir made galaxies. Lift your voice and worship your Say heaven is my home. I can't wait for that day when I see you face to face. For I was made to magnify my name. Yes, I was saved to walk beside myself. was lost in darkness I read Use. I read some lies in
0: leadership teams, and all the volunteers, Father. Just continue to move and work so that we can introduce you, Jesus, to these precious kids and to help them in their growth process and discipleship. And Lord, we thank you for Lenny and Debbie Dixon and their faithful ministry of shepherd staff as they're a part of our body and have been serving faithfully in this city for so many years. We pray, God, that you continue to give them strength, physical strength, emotional strength. You would just guide and direct them spiritually, Lord, with vision and strategy for the ministry. As they, each day, God, they just wake up and go, Lord, what do you have for us today to serve this city, to serve those in need, to serve the poor, to serve those that are hurting and on the fringe, giving of themselves, showing your love, grace, and mercy? Continue to provide for them, bring resources that they need to continue to serve those with your love and grace. And Lord, we thank you that we get to pray for our extended family here in Montgomery. And this morning, God, we lift up Pastor Cameron Bell and those at Southside Gospel Fellowship, we thank you, God, so much for their ministry in Cloverdale area. And those that you have brought to their local fellowship, God, continue to bless Cameron and his family, protect them, give them strength, give them wisdom, and he and his leadership team as they serve that community in our city. Continue, Lord, to draw people there to be shepherded and discipled, and as they reach the community with the gospel, Lord, give them vision and provide all that they need to make that happen. And, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing all over the world, but God, this past couple weeks, we've been grieving as we've been seeing what's been going on in Morocco after that tragic earthquake. Lord, I know I've been keeping up that there have been uh, many relief teams going into that area where thousands have died. And as we know, sadly, Lord, most of them probably did not know you because of Islam in that area. God, we just pray for those relief teams that you're sending in, many of them having believers, knowing that you're soldiers and your ambassadors are able to go into that community to show your love and grace and mercy, that as they're providing food and water and care, medical, whatever it is, God, that your gospel would go forth. In Jesus' name, we pray for a harvest of the Moroccans, that your gospel would go forth, even in a country where that is forbidden and you can't even probably speak it, but God, you have ways. (laughs) We trust you, Lord, that you would reach people in that area that are tragically involved, to bring the gospel, that they could experience freedom in you and that you could see a harvest take place through that country. And Lord, we thank you for your provision. We thank you that we are so blessed as a people. We thank you for the opportunity to just give a small portion back. We ask you to bless the offering that's been given today or those that have given online. Continue to give us as leadership and staff wisdom on how to be good stewards of what you've provided, Lord. Um, And we just thank you for all that you've blessed us with. And lastly, Lord, thank you for our shepherd. We thank you so much for Grady, just his heart to love us, to serve us, to protect us, to teach us, to faithfully study your word each week, to wait on you, and to just passionately, Lord, dig in your word to disciple us and equip us this morning. Give him health and strength today as we seek your face and as your word goes forth. And God, again, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time to gather. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we never take this moment for granted. That we can gather this morning, every Sunday morning like this, to worship you, to declare that Jesus is Lord, that you are God, that we have the freedom to do so and the liberty to do so in this place. Thank you for your provision of this campus, this building, all that you blessed us with. We are so grateful. May you continue to be exalted and glorified in, this, in our midst today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids, first through fourth, you're able to be dismissed for kids' worship with the glass cocks.
4: Well, good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you this morning as the kids are on their way to kids' worship. If you want to find Genesis chapter 1 and your copy of God's Word, Genesis chapter 1. We come today to the end of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. It just took us six weeks to get through chapter 1, but we're in, on our journey of chapters 1 through 11. We're at the end, not just at chapter 1, we're at the end of day 6 of the creation week. And so what we're going to see this morning, friends, builds on what we've been seeing for the last three weeks. Today we come to God finishing his creative work. Not only bringing order from the chaos, but filling the voids of those spaces that he made. And so just to see where we've been as we get to day six of creation that we started on several weeks ago. God took the land that he had formed on day three and he began to fill it. And he filled it with living creatures of all different types. We did not stop there. Two weeks ago we saw that he filled it with The first people with Adam and Eve, the first image bearers of God, different than all of the rest of creation. And we saw last week that God speaks to the people made in His image. And this was stunning because people could hear the voice of their Creator. And what does God tell His very first image bearers, this pinnacle of His creation? He gives them two sets of commands at the very beginning here. The first, and this is sometimes called the creation mandate. And so last week I told you there's a uniting truth that united last week and this week as we look at the two sets of commands that God gives to people here. So the truth that kind of unites, all that we're looking at is simply this, friends. The God who made the universe graciously invites us to join him in his work. I think we have that on the screen for you. The God who made the universe graciously invites us to join him in his work. That is what this creation mandate is all about. The first words the first people here is God giving to them responsibilities, what we call this creation mandate. And this is absolutely stunning also, because God is independent. God needs absolutely nothing. He could have made the world to where we have no responsibilities and we are not needed, but in his sovereign good plan, he instead makes a world where we are involved, where we're involved in his purposes, where we are involved in his Work. Now we saw the first of those two sets of commands in the creation mandate last week. And we saw last week that the first set of commands there was a call to value children and to be involved in discipling. This was a command not just about filling the earth, but a command about filling the earth with people who will be worshipers of God, who will love Him. Today we continue in this creation mandate, these first commands given to the first people and to us as well. And so as we continue in Genesis 1 this morning, we'll be looking for what other work is God calling us to? And don't miss the significance of this, friends. This is the second set of commands that God gives to the pinnacle creation, to his people and to us. So what is the work that God is calling us to join him in doing? We'll find the answer in Genesis 1, 28 to 31. So I'm gonna ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God. Genesis chapter one, verses 28 to 31, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And God blessed them, and God said to them, For food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, even as CJ was praying just a few minutes ago about not taking for granted the the blessing of being able to gather as a church. Father, we don't want to take for granted the blessing of being able to hold your word. That you have blessed us with your revelation of who you are and who we are and how your world works. Where we get to hold it and we get to read it. And Lord, I pray we wouldn't take for granted that we have multiple copies of your word in print form in front of us and on our devices. And we can hear it on the radio and we can study it for ourselves. Lord, you have blessed us with your word. And we know there's many, many on this earth who've never had a chance to even hold a Bible before. May we not take lightly the privilege we have now of opening it and studying it and reading your revelation to us. Use your word to transform us and change us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be. Seated. So what is the work that God is calling us to do here? Now, to understand this command, I want to ask several questions of the text this morning to make sure we get what God is saying to us here. And the first question I want to start with this morning is the question, what has God already done for us? Before we get to the commands that we are to do, let's start back here with what has God already done for us? And this is really important because this text, friends, is primarily about God and what he's done. This text is not primarily about us and what we're to do. The text is the focus of the text is on God and what he's done. You see his name repeated over and over and over in these verses we just read. You see his actions as the major focus over and over. Look back just at verse 28. And God, he's the subject. God blessed, and God spoke. You see, over and over through these verses, this is all about God, his nature, and his actions. And what has God already done for us? God has made a perfectly suited world for human life. If you want a main thought of this text, of what God has done, God has made a perfectly suited world to sustain human life. Now that is really important for the commands that follow. And if you're thinking this sounds somewhat familiar, it should. This is what we talked about when we looked at the creation account in verses 3 to 25. If you think back to when we looked at those six days of creation, God made everything with his image bearers with us in mind. It said, if you remember back to the six days of creation, God gave the stars. Why? To give us points of navigation for times and for seasons. God gave plants. Why? For food. He even gave livestock, domesticated animals to serve humanity. If you look at the beauty of creation, it's not haphazard. God made a world with humanity, with image bearers in view. And that's absolutely stunning. This world was made to support our lives. Friends, our world is not a cosmic accident It was made at the right distance from the sun so it had the right temperatures for human life. It's at the right tilt and the right rotation so that people can live. It has the right atmosphere so that humans can breathe. It has the perfect water sources so that we can stay alive. It has the right plants for us to eat so that we have food to sustain human life. God made a world perfectly suited to maintain the lives of his image bearers. And we see that idea repeated again this morning. Look at verse 29 this morning. And God said, behold. Now just stop right there. When you see behold... God's saying, this is important, notice, don't rush past this. But the reality is we often rush past, particularly this command here. He's saying, behold, notice what he's doing. And What is God doing here? He said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. God created plants on the earth, not just because they're pretty. He created plants so that human life could sustained. And notice the word every here in this text. I've given you every plant yielding seed. I've given you every tree with seed and its fruit. Now we'll come to this in a few weeks. There's one restriction on the every that we'll see in chapter 2. But apart from that one restriction, the emphasis here is God's generosity. If you think about all the different foods he has made for us, we see a generous God and a creative God. One of the authors I read this week said it so well, it just kind of made me chuckle when I read it. He said, God made an edible world. God made an edible world. If you ever saw the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies and everything was edible, not quite to that extreme, but God made an edible world and he was creative. God could have made just one bland food and said this will sustain you, but he didn't. He made an edible world with all these different foods to sustain human life. He made the sweetness of an orange that not only tastes good, but that would give us vitamins to support our immune system so that we could stay healthier. God knows goodness to have beans that we could turn into chocolate, and praise God for that. Yes, they have good (laughs) calories, but he made beans that we can make chocolate out of. He made leafy vegetables that you can use to keep your GI tract regulated, right? He made potatoes, these brown, ugly things in the ground that are full of so much nutrition. As I was reading this week, One author said, potatoes provide bulk, offers protection against colon cancer, improves glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity, lowers plasma cholesterol, triglyceride concentration, increases satiety, and possibly even reduces fat storage. Now from that ugly brown thing in the dirt, we get that. God made stuff to sustain our life. And as one of the authors I read this week said, God even made caffeine. That was his idea. Did you know, see, there's over 100 species of plants that naturally have caffeine Another author I read said, God, God caffeinated his created world. Well, praise God. He knew that we as weak, frail beings need strength sometimes, so God in his creativity put caffeine in plants and let people discover it so that we have the cup of coffee in the morning we need to be his image bearers and do the work he has called us to do. God made an edible and caffeinated and creative world. Why? To support the lives of his image, bearer. This is not a cosmic accident. We see the hands of a good creator who wants to support our human life and puts food there to support us. And the text tells us he also made food for animals. Look at verse 30. Into every beast of the earth, into every bird of the heavens, into everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. So God is supporting all life on the earth through the plants as well. And he does the animals especially highlight here. Why? Because those animals support human life as well. Some of those animals God feeds brings enjoyment to us and the pleasures of life. Some of those animals support our work, as we saw in Genesis chapter 1, the domesticated animals. And some of those animals, as we'll come to in Genesis chapter 9, become food for us. So God gives food to the animals, and the animals become food to us. God gives food to the animals, and the animals support us in our work. God gives food to the animals, and those animals bring enjoyment to us. As John Calvin said, God made everything with mankind in mind. God made everything with mankind in mind. So as we come to the end of day six of creation, where the plants now given as food, God's world is complete. The image bearers, humanity is here, and the world is perfectly fitted with caffeine and potatoes and oranges and everything else. The world is perfectly fitted to support the life of God's people. And what is God's assessment of the situation? Go down to verse 31. And God saw everything that He made. The caffeinated beans, the, co- the cocoa beans, the vegetables, everything. He saw everything he made, including us image bearers. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. It's not just good, it's now very good. Now, if you think back to the, when we look through the creation account, we see the word good. It has two meanings. In the Hebrew, this word good can mean beautiful. And yes, God's world is beautiful. You look at all the plants he made and the oceans he made and the people he made. And it is beautiful what God did. But this word in the Hebrew also means useful purposeful, able to accomplish what it was designed to do. God says the world is very good. It's a world that is not only points us to him, it's a world that's perfectly suited to sustain the life of his image bearers of humanity. Now we have to understand that to understand the command that follows. That is the foundation. God creates, God speaks a world perfectly suited for human life. And so with that as a foundation, what does God call us as his people to do? Go back to Verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them. Now, this is what we saw last week. The first set of commands, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, we pick up with the second part today of what has God called us to do in light of the fact he made a perfectly formed earth. We're to, next two verbs here, we're to subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, two key words here that kind of unite in this command. The first one is to have dominion. Over all the animals. This word have dominion is a Hebrew word, rada, and it's normally not used of animals. It's normally used of human relationships. This is the word you would find in scripture more than 20 times to talk about kings having dominion, ruling over. Their subjects, Or a master having dominion to dictate what his hired servants did for their jobs during the day. This is the word that be used of a nation conquering another nation and having dominion applying their laws to the people who have been conquered. It's even the word you use of a shepherd having dominion over his sheep to direct them in the right direction. You put all that together, this word for have dominion, rada, is a word that means authority. This is a God-given authority in the world. That means we're not equal to animals. We're not an evolutionary step up from animals. We have been placed by God in a a distinct place of having authority over the living things on the earth. Now, we're going to see this authority exercised soon in just a few weeks in Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And notice how this authority first gets exercised later on in Genesis 2, 19 and 20. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Now, just pause right there. In Scripture, naming has great significance. Because naming shows an authority that a person has. So whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Now verse 20. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. And again, Paul's right there. We'll talk about this more in a few weeks. But God could have named the animal and said, Adam, this is a giraffe. This is an elephant. And just going through in the language of the time what everything was. But he didn't. God delegated that authority to Adam and said, you, Adam, my image bearer, you have dominion. You name all the animals as you see fit. So this is a picture of authority that we as humans have authority, God-given authority on the earth. But there's a second verb here that helps us understand what our God-given task is here. So go back to verse 28. God blessed them and he told them not just to have dominion, but notice the verb before it. We are to subdue it. We're to subdue the earth. Now, in the Hebrew, this is a very strong word. It's the word kabosh that means to exercise your strength. It's the idea of force being used. And here it's used specifically in relation to the land. That we are to use our strength to bring the land into subjection. Again, this is an authority word here. We have authority over the land that God has created. And we're to use our force, our strength to work that land to make it produce. Again, we'll see that authority exercised very soon by Adam in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, Adam, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to lay around and be lazy and just chill because everything was perfect and nothing had to be done. No, but to work it and keep it. This is pre-fall. There's not a curse. There's not the challenges, but God from the beginning put within people as image bearers a task of using their strength, their force to work the land, to make it produce even more as a God-given authority. So go back to verse 28, these commands together God has given to us to Take the earth to subdue it and to have dominion. This is a call for us to be intentional in working the earth. And working the earth to do what? To accomplish God's purpose for supporting human life. So realize the wonder of this. God made a perfectly suited world for his image bearers for us and chose to let us now work it so it continues to be habitable, so it continues to be sustainable for human life. Now, for the sake of clarity, we need to ask a third question this morning. What does this command not mean? Because unfortunately, this command gets abused in different ways. Because we are fallen creatures, because we are full of sin, we tend to go to wrong extremes when it comes to this dominion-subduing mandate that you see here. So three things this command does not mean. Number one, it does not mean we worship the creation or elevate the creation. We do not worship the creation or elevate the creation, We live in a world where some people do worship the created order and they pray to the earth. There's even tragically denominations today that have prayers to Mother Earth now included in their hymnals of their churches. There are people who do worship the earth, but perhaps the greater danger is the prevailing worldview around us that elevates creation above people. In the world we live in today, humanity is seen as the problem and we need to do anything we can to protect the earth from humanity regardless of the cost to human life. So you will see many foolish decisions being made under the guise of protecting earth that harms people in the process of protecting the earth. That's the exact opposite of God's plan for how humans and creation relate. Go back to verse 29 this morning. Why are plants here? Not for us to guard and protect them completely, but why? Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seeds on the face of the earth, and every tree which seeds fruit, you shall have them for food. The created order is here to point people to God and to sustain people's lives, not the other way around. And if you go back to verse 28, what we just saw, we're to subdue it and have dominion over the animals. We are given a higher authority over creation And so we need to be careful when we talk about caring for God's earth. We're not talking about elevating the creation above people. There's a second thing that this text does not mean it does not mean we have liberty to abuse the creation. We do not have the liberty to abuse the creation. When we were traveling 5,000 miles of somewhere out west, we saw so many breathtaking parts of God's creation just utterly littered and destroyed. By People with no regard for caring for the earth. Even when we're out in Yellowstone, there's beautiful springs and geysers that no longer erupt and they're shriveling up because people find it humorous to throw their trash into them and it's clogging the stuff at the bottom. These beautiful springs are drying up. Why? Because humans have no regard at times for God's. Creation. You look at the trash heap in the Pacific Ocean, some 620,000 miles, square miles of trash just sitting there that countries just carelessly keep dumping into the ocean. Us subduing and having dominion is not a free pass just to do what we want to do with no regards to the creation. God has given us a stewardship over his creation. That's not a free pass to do what we want to do and disregard his creation. One of the authors I read this week said it well. He said, Dominion cannot be exploitation but must be seen in this sort of facilitating servanthood. And I like that word, facilitating servanthood, which maintains an environment in which persons who reflect God's nature can be at home. Our task with the earth is a servanthood to help this world be livable for people. It's not a free pass to do whatever we want to do with it. So we're not to worship the creation, we're not to abuse the creation, but there's a third danger, and perhaps this is the greater danger for evangelical Christians in our culture. This does not mean we can ignore caring for the creation, It does not mean we we can ignore caring for the creation. Go back to verse 28. This is a command, and this is significant. This is the first set of commands God gives to his image bearers, and he tells them very clearly to subdue the earth and have dominion over all the animals of the earth. So the second command of God is one that very few Christians, at least in the evangelical tradition today, give much thought to. It was significant enough to be one of the initial commands, and we often brush it off and never think about it. Now, friends, This was a, most weeks studying is fun for me. This was a hard week studying because all these authors I love and respect ignore this verse. I was just stunned as I started working through the commentaries and the books and the articles I read on Genesis. You would come to this, there would be long explanations of filling the earth, and they would just completely skip. Like, they wouldn't even mention this existed. It was like this part of Scripture vanished. And the ones who at least addressed it mentioned, God has told us to have dominion and subdue the earth. I'm like, "Um, yeah, that's what it said, and that was it. There was like no, I'm like, you, there's no thought given to it. I fear that sometimes in the church we have kind of abdicated care of God's world to the government or to people who don't believe in God. And so perhaps for us the greater danger is just to brush off this mandate God has given us and to give no thought at all to how we tend the earth that he has given us for our home. So that raises the quest, fourth question for us this morning. God has called us to subdue the earth and have dominion. What practically does that look like? So back in verse 28, he does a subdue it, the earth, and have dominion over all these animals here. What does that practically look like? Well, again, this is another part of the frustration of the week for me. Normally as I work through the commentaries and the articles and the books I read, I start seeing some, oh, that's a great idea, or that's a great idea, and there's a lot that shapes my thinking. This week as I read, zero, (laughs) nada, nothing from any of these people who I respect and trust with any practical insights of how in the world We actually care for this, and I'm just stunned this week because I'm like, these are people who normally are like, hey, fill the earth, here's some practical ways you can help disciple kids, or with everything we looked at, there's always some type of practical application to help us live this out. Not one thing from any person I normally read, and I spent hours digging this week trying to find this, and this is a silent topic for many people who love the Word of God. There's almost no thought given to how do we practically live this out? How do we practically care for God's world? So, here's some of my own musings of how we might practically care for God's world as God's people. This is far from exhaustive, and I'd love to hear from you as you think through this week. Now, how, what does it look like for me and for my family to have dominion over the earth? How do we grow in this? I'd love to hear from you of what that is. But here's some thoughts to get you thinking. As believers who've been given dominion, this means we should love science. We should not be anti-science. We should love science and trying to understand God's world and how it works so we can better care for it. We should love exploration as we find resources that God has put out there that sustain. Human life. We should be excited about discoveries and technological discoveries that sustain human life, whether new medicines or new treatments. We should love and be thankful for clean water. Praise God, we can turn on a tap and get water and not be worried about it. And work to make sure people around the world can have clean water like we have. We should love agriculture and farming, friends. If you watch global news, you look around the world and farmers are now seen as being the problem. And oh, if we could just get rid of the farms, we could protect the earth. And we miss the fact that food comes from these farms. So we need to celebrate those who give their lives in the production of food to sustain us. We should help our kids understand where food comes from. That no, you don't get apples from Walmart. They had to grow somewhere. It's amazing how separated people are today from understanding how God's earth produces the foods that we eat. We should celebrate when nearly extinct species come back. When we were in Yellowstone this summer and we read about the bison were almost extinct and now we got stuck in multiple traffic jams where bison were crossing the road and my kids called them bison jams because you was sit there for 30 minutes with bison after bison crossing the road. We should celebrate that by God's grace, the species that's amazing was almost extinct and is now back. We should marvel that we have the ability by God's creativity put us to build dams that stop flooding, that protect towns, that provide water and recreation for humans, that irrigate farmlands. But what about daily we should look for ways to not be wasteful. We should conserve resources. We should recycle and donate versus tossing it in the green bin without thought to where that green bin goes. We should take time to delight in the beauty of God's world and turn off our screens and go look at the beauty with our own eyes, whether it's the stars in the sky or the sunset or the flowers growing in the garden. It's good for us to learn to tend the earth and care for that little plot of land where we live and care about the beauty of it. It's good for parents to teach children dominion, something as simple as naming their pets or feeding their pets or putting out the bird feeder or planting a garden. There's lots of ways we can cultivate, even within the young people of the church, this task that God has given to us. I was thinking on all this this week. A surprising insight came from John MacArthur. Now, when you think of gardening and flowers, John MacArthur is not the guy (laughs) you normally think about. But here's what MacArthur said. He says, I think if God has given you a little space, a little piece of his world, it's right to let that piece give glory to the creator. Isn't it amazing when you think about all the plants that God has created? Why do you think he created them? To do what? To give glory to himself. And when you cultivate those kind of things, you are doing that. You're putting God's creative power on display so friends, I don't know what it's going to look like for you, and I'd love to hear your thoughts in the weeks to come. But what would it look like for you and your household too? verse 28, to subdue the earth and to exercise dominion in a way that sustains what God has given to us? So in light of all that last question, what can help us exercise dominion well? If this is something that we don't give much thought to, that very little teaching is on, that there's very few books or resources on, how do we grow and actually exercising dominion over God's creation. Three things I see in these verses that help us do this. Number one, we need to remember this task is a blessing. This is not a burden God has given to us. This is a blessing God has given to us. Notice how verse 28 began. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion subduing and having dominion is part of the blessing God gives caring for God's creation is not something we just write off to the government it's a blessing God has entrusted to me and to you for whatever part of the world he has put under our care we have the joy of doing God's work this is a blessing number 2 we need to remember what is at stake we need to remember what's and what is at stake friends it's the future generations having a world that's beautiful, that points to God's glory, and a world that is sustainable for them. I missed this until end of the week as I was studying. Notice the connection here and how this all seems linked together. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This was the command we saw last week to take our eyes off ourselves and to care about the next generation. And what follows that? To subdue and have dominion. Why? Because we're caring for the next generation. We want the next generation to be able to see the grand prismatic springs at Yellowstone. We want the next generation to see the bison, see all of creation declaring the glory of God. And so we work to subdue and have dominion and care for this planet so the next generation can enjoy it as well. And then number three, we need to remember, we will give an account before the Lord. I think we miss that on texts like this. Go back to verse 28. God blessed them and God said to them. God speaks to his image bearers who are responsible, moral, spiritual being. And a God who is a holy judge will, get, will, make, will have us give an account of all of our lives, how we followed his commands. And this is not a suggestion, this is a command. And so we will give an account before the Lord of whether or not we saw his creation as a stewardship given to us and whether we sought to subdue it and have dominion in such a way to make it sustainable for human life. So let's try to bring all that together. Here's the key truth, I think, for us out of this text, and I hope you already have figured this one out today from what we said, but here's what I want you to see. God made for his people a perfectly suited world and calls them to join him in caring for it. That God himself in his infinite wisdom has made a world that sustains human life, from where it's placed in the solar system to the plants that are here for food to the animals that are here that sustain human life as well. Everything God did was intentional and purposeful. Yes, to show us his power. Yes, to show us his glory and to support our lives here. And now God calls us to join him in caring for it. If you're jotting that down, change the them to an us. I was thinking about that right before with the service started this morning. This is a calling not just for believers. This is a calling for me and a calling for you. We are image bearers of God, put in God's sovereign plan in time for such a time as this was part of our task to care for the world, to steward the world he has given to us. But yet, friends, as we look around Montgomery and look around the world we see that the reality of the marring of sin and the curse, right? This world is not pristine anymore. This beautiful world has been marred. And every time we see that, not only is it a chance to think, Lord, what do you want me to do to address this? But it's also a subtle reminder to look at our own hearts. friend. Because not just is creation marred by sin and the curse. My heart is marred by the sin and the curse. And yours is as well. My life is full of sin and your, li- your lives are full of sin as well. Whether it's sins of not caring for the world, whether it's sins of not loving the next generation's, not living with eternity in view, so many things that we struggled with, even just this own week. Our lives have been affected by sin, just as creation has as well. So what is the hope for us? What is the hope as we think about the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of our own life? And that's what we get to end with this morning, friends, thinking about the hope of Christ, the hope of eternity with God when everything is made right, when we are made new, the hope we have now of our sins being forgiven that we can God, So we're going to end today celebrating the hope we have in Christ and we're going to do so with communion this morning. As we rejoice in the fact that God did not leave us lost in our sin. God would have been just and holy to leave us in our sin and condemn us to eternity and hell and to leave us lost in our sin. But God did not do that. Christ came and on that cross his blood was shed and his body was broken so that our sins could be forgiven. Because on the cross all of my sin and if you're in Christ all your sin got placed on Jesus. And in that moment when he cries out, it is finished, the penalty that you and I should have spent an eternity in hell having to pay for he built, he bore in that moment there. But you hear me say often, friends, when Christ on the cross has not just my sin was dealt with, but Jesus' righteousness was given to me. And if you're in Christ, his righteousness was given to you. So when you approach God the Father, he doesn't see you in your sins of this week whatever they were. He sees Jesus' righteousness covering you. And so the God who spoke This world into being the God who made this world to sustain your life is the God who also desires for you to know him for who he is and who has made a way for you to be reconciled for him. And so as we celebrate communion this morning, friends, this is only for those who know Christ. If you do not know Christ, if you do not know you're a child of God, that you belong to him, that your sins are forgiven and he's adopted you and you're forgiven. You have eternity with him, not because of anything you've done, but because of him. If That is not your hope and your confidence. We just want to ask you just to please remain In your seat. Scripture warns about taking these elements in an unworthy manner without thinking about and believing in the body of Christ. And so we ask you just remain where you're seated. No one's going to embarrass you. But if you know Christ, friends, this is your chance this morning to come to celebrate together as a community that we know, not because of anything we've done, but because simply of God's grace and mercy, that we are forgiven, that we belong to Him. And so as we break the bread, as we drink the juice, it reminds us that Christ's body was broken and hung on that cross. His blood was poured out because Scripture is clear. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And So we take these elements to remember the body and the blood of Christ, to worship together, to say thank you to God for His grace. We also take this as a chance to, to pause and reflect. We as a people tend to be very busy people who don't stop and reflect often enough. So this is a chance for us to pause for a few minutes as you're waiting to come forward to receive the elements, even once you've received them, to, just to reflect in your seat as you look at them. And to ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart. Are there sins that I'm not dealing with? Sins I'm not confessing to you? Am I not being thankful for my salvation? Am I not living like I really belong to you? Am I not living like Eternities of you? And it's a chance just to ask some of these questions. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart and some do business with the Lord and talk to Him. Because if you're in Christ, they're already forgiven by Christ. And so to take those to Him and ask for His forgiveness and experience His sweet forgiveness. So we don't want you to rush this time. This is a time for you to worship, be thankful, to reflect, to pray, and to celebrate the grace is available to us in Christ Jesus In just a minute I'm going to pray for us and after I pray our ushers will help direct you the praise team will come first and then they'll direct you to come down the middle please keep two aisles as you come down the middle so we can get everyone back to their seats When you see the elements you'll go back down the side aisles and sit back down and just take them whenever you're ready again take some time to reflect to pray to worship the Lord together and we'll direct you to this for those who have dietary needs we do have gluten-free bread up here as well but would you pray with me Father, it's humbling and stunning to realize that you, the God who needs absolutely nothing, you are completely independent, who is all-powerful and sovereign. You care about us. You care about the world we live in but even more than that, you care about our hearts and our souls. You know the souls of each person in this room. You know where we've struggled this week and where we've had success this week. You know where we've sinned this week and where we've glorified you this week. You know it all because you know everything. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that for us, your people, that we would celebrate the fact that we belong to you, that you care for us. and You do not treat us as our sins deserve simply because of what Christ has done. And so I pray as we Drink the juice and break the bread this morning. We will have hearts full of awe and wonder and gratitude of the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. And well, if there's anyone here, child or adult, who's never put their faith and trust in you, as they're like, you know, this is not me, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray they would understand if they call upon you, they can be saved. That whoever confesses with their mouth Jesus is the Lord and believes in their heart God raised from the dead will be saved. I pray today would be the day that you bring salvation to them. Lord, for those of us who know you, help us not just go through the routines of the Lord's Supper this morning. Help us really pause, reflect, think about your greatness, think about your kindness, think about your grace given to us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill us with awe, with wonder, with hearts of gratitude this morning for the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name.
3: I'll stand as we sing. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This soul, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought. And storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace? When fears are still, when strivings. alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless pain this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the one he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the the of God was satisfied, for every sin on Him was laid, here in the death of Christ I am. up from the Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah.
4: that word's on the screen. You know that one well. So, let's close in prayer. Father, our hearts are filled with gratitude for the grace that you give it to us in Christ. Where as we think this week, I pray that you would help us be good stewards for the relationships we have or the resources we have, even of caring for the world that you've put us here. Help us steward well the things you've given to us so that you receive all the glory and we find the joy of you working through us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.